Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. You know, we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington here in our Dallas Cowboys NFL Draft Podcast, and joining me in studio the founder and godfather of the podcast, a guy that we like to call Evan Grant. Hello. I'm just looking uh, apparently on my uh, Google calendar that Gina has sent me. Um, <laughs> More Gina have updates. Hazardous waste pickup on May 3rd. <laughs> okay. Let's yeah. get to our guest. Yeah, our guest. And we've got with us now the Dallas Morning News NFL draft expert, Dane Brugler. Dane, thanks for coming on with us this week. No, of course. It's uh, hard to believe the draft's already here, but I can't wait <laughs> no, to get going. <laughs> <laughs> hasn't, listen, haven't we been waiting on this for years now? Now, Dana, are you one of those guys who believes that they should have the draft closer to the Super Bowl? Uh, no, I mean, I enjoy it because it's uh, more time to scout these guys, more time to talk about it. Because this is, this is what I do year-round. Uh, you know, as soon as this draft's over, I'm looking towards next year, so... The more time uh, between the Super Bowl and the draft is, is great for me because there's more time to talk about these players and uh, talk about all the possibilities. What if we had two drafts every year? Two? Yeah, hey, more, more the merrier. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I missed uh, – it was, used to be about 12 rounds. Uh, yeah. Now it yeah, starting in 1994. They cut it down to seven rounds. So, I mean, I, hey, the more the merrier. Yeah, there used to be a lot more than twelve. They used to go about twenty or thirty. It was ridiculous. Right. Uh, that's Were back those in the, the days of like the territorial draft. Well, no, no. And the, but the Cowboys would draft like three quarterbacks. You know, right. in those kind of drafts. It was just crazy. Uh, so, Dane, we you have had several mock drafts, uh, which is kind of all the rage to do is to have uh, several levels of a draft. And in your in your uh, uh, the draft that we have online uh, right now, you have them staying at 19 and taking Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver from Alabama. But I think you have an update, uh, do you not? Uh, yeah, the final. And really, we do a lot of mock drafts. Uh, the one, that, only one that matters is the final one. Uh, and that's the one that will be coming out uh, on Thursday, just uh, you know, hours before the draft uh, itself. And I will have a wide receiver at 19 for the Cowboys. Uh, but it will not be Calvin Ridley. Uh, it will be DJ Moore, uh, the Maryland wide receiver, uh, who there's a lot to like. Uh, I think what he offers that Calvin Ridley doesn't is he's 20 pounds heavier, a little more physical. And, uh, you know, the Cowboys love the XYZ, the alphabet soup, uh, you know, in the playbook when it comes to their receivers. And I think uh, DJ Moore gives them a little more versatility. He can play across the formation. He can play the X, Y, or the Z, where Ridley – He's a really good Z, but he's kind of. I think he's probably locked in at that spot, or maybe even in the slot. Uh, I think DJ Moore can give you a little value outside as an X receiver, and you know we know, of course, with uh, Des Bryant no longer there, uh, you know, is Alan Hearns filling that spot? I think DJ Moore would be able to help that as well. Uh, but I think it all depends on who's available, how the first 18 picks play out, because I'm not sure receiver will be, uh, you know, option A or maybe even option B. Yeah, I'm not either, because I was out at uh, the Star yesterday, and of course... Uh, Did you see some draft plans or something? Well, yeah, I was out there uh, stealing their draft plans. Uh, no, Jerry Jones got to talking, as Jerry Jones will do, and uh, and he basically said, you know, we we know there's really not an X receiver in this draft uh, that would that would be as good as Des Bryant, and you know, knowing Jerry like we know Jerry, uh, here's what I'm thinking: if you just cut Des Bryant, and and now you're saying there's not a receiver in this draft that we believe that this year will be as good as Des Bryant, uh, then. How do you market that as your first-round draft pick? How do you say to fans, well, just bear with us on this one. This guy will be good eventually. Uh, I just don't, you know, when the draft is going to be in his backyard, out there at Jerry World, in his living room, I guess you could say, is that he can't bring himself to do that. And so I do think that the Cowboys, if 
if uh, a Derwin James falls to 10 or 11, I believe the Cowboys will trade up. What do you think about the prospects if he is available at that point? Yeah, I think uh, it's possible. I think Derwin James, to me, is one of the 10 best players in this draft. So um, I think there's a good shot he goes 7 to Tampa. Uh, he can go 8 to Chicago. But if he is still available into the teens, um, I think it just becomes a question of uh, what it's going to take. Cause it, it, you don't want to trade 50 to go up and get – I mean, ideally, it, you know, you like to hold on to that pick. Yeah. If, if Derwin James is there at 14, 15 – well, then that's where you can package 81 and go up and get the safety. And, I, you know, it makes sense. Derwin James, he's a better athlete than football player right now. Um, you know, he's still uh, coming around in a few areas, especially in coverage. But you like where he's going to be. He's that big uh, nickel defender where he can play free safety. He can play strong. He can play over the slot. He did everything at Florida State except put his hand on the ground. So he did a little bit of everything, and you, you like that moving forward. But, again, he's a little more of a, a potential pick as well, um, a guy who, uh, like I said, a better athlete than football player right now, but you're really excited about where he can be a year or two years from now. Where do you, what is the difference between him, in your mind, and Mika Fitzpatrick from Alabama? Uh, I think the Derwin's the better athlete. He's just a little freakier uh, with what he can do. Uh, but Minka is more of that football savant where he can uh, – he's very cerebral. Uh, he understands how the offense is trying to attack the defense. Uh, he, he basically got a master's degree from Sabinology uh, down in Tuscaloosa. Uh, he was an extension of Saban on the football field. Uh, and Saban has said that uh, you know, he has never coached anyone uh, who could play all six defensive back positions as well as Minka Fitzpatrick can. And so uh, some people call him uh, a jack-of-all-trades, master of none uh, with what he can do in the secondary. I think he's a jack-of-all-trades, master of all trades. I, you want to play him an outside corner? I think he can do that. You want to play him at three? He can do that. Uh, I think he's probably best in the nickel, uh, you know, whether you want to blitz off the edge, cover the slot play the run he can do all that and do it at a high level so Minka Fitzpatrick offers the versatility and I think the the football IQ that you want to draft in the top 10 to 12 picks hey Dane I, you know I, I, when I think of you as a draft expert I think of you as more a scout than than necessarily um uh for lack of a better term a personnel guy but do you have a feel on if the Cowboys decide that they're going to move up and grab somebody, is there a likely trade partner out there for them? Yeah, you know, it's tough because I think it's, like we say, it kind of depends on how the board plays out. You know, how are these quarterbacks going to come off the board in the top ten? Are we going to see three in the top five, four in the top five? How many in the top ten? And so I think the, how the quarterback picture uh, plays out will determine, uh, you know, kind of how the Cowboys are looking. I don't think they're interested in trading number 50. Um, you know, they did it in 2012 for Maurice Claiborne. Um, I, I think that it's more likely they could possibly trade two and a three to, let's just say they go late in Van Der Esch at 19. I think that it would be more likely that they would trade 50 and 81, package those two picks, go up to 33, 34, one of the first picks in the second round, and go after a Cortland Sutton, uh, that type of deal. So if they move up in the first, uh, you know, Roquan Smith, absolutely, I think I'd, I'd be on board with that, the linebacker from Georgia. I think he's the type of player you go for, but he might be gone by then. Um, so just looking at, you know, the, I think 13, 14, 15, Washington, Green Bay, Arizona, uh, you know, those are the kind of the, the spots you're looking at to trade up. But, again, I think it depends on how the quarterback picture plays out in the top 12 pick. Hey, Kevin, you know, I – when I look at this first round, the the number that keeps sticking out to me for if the Cowboys want to grab somebody, that 13 is probably about as low as they could go. But 13 is the Redskins pick. Mm-hmm. Do you see, is it feasible to consider that they would consummate a trade with the Washington Redskins? No, I don't really see that happening. Uh, you know, I, I really think, you know, just – the, the thing about listening to these guys yesterday, obviously teams are throwing out smoke screens left and right here. And I, I, I think it's almost impossible for Jerry to do that, though. You know, if you listen to him long enough, he, he's bound to reveal what he really thinks. And I think that's why they had him sitting between 
Jason and Steven so they could both elbow him in did the they ribs. Have tasers? Yeah, I think they did. And, and I and when Jerry talking yesterday, the two things that struck me were that uh, when he just said, you know, hey, there's no X receiver in this draft, basically. Not not that we would want to take in the first round, essentially. That we could take one maybe in the second or third round, you know, a guy to, to develop. The other thing, and this was really what Steven said more, uh, and it kind of is a repetition of the same old thing, is how much they believe in Jalen Smith. They just went out of their way to say that again. And, you know, and, and I don't believe in him that way. I think he's a great kid. And he's a great story. But, boy, I just saw last year him really struggle at times in what they were asking him to do. And, and there are just no guarantees he's going to keep getting better physically, you know. Until he takes that, that thing off his foot that, that keeps him from having drop foot, I just don't know that he's ever going to be that. So when we're talking about Roquan Smith, you know, I, I think he's, he's tremendous and he'd be a great pick. I just don't feel like they think they really need to invest in a linebacker that high. And, and so let me ask you that. So wait a minute. If you're, if you're saying that there's no X receiver and they don't invest in a linebacker, mm-hmm. are you suggesting that they, that they find a way to get a defensive back? Yeah, I think that's why, you know, if you look at everything they did this offseason – uh, they they did sign a linebacker. Now he's not a guy. He's just a depth guy. They did go out and get a couple of wide receivers, including Alan Hearns. That they uh, but they moved uh, Byron Jones from safety to cornerback, and they did not sign a, uh, a safety. So it's the one area they haven't really addressed. And so it kind of makes you think that this is what they they want to do in the draft is that they're going to try as best they can to get one of these guys. Now, now, Dana, I want to ask you, I, I can't recall, did, did they, they didn't bring Minka Fitzpatrick in for a, a visit, did they? No, they did not. Minka will be an interesting guy to watch because he's, you know, he could easily go top seven, top eight, but I think he could just as easily be there at 13 or 14. Um, but, you know, it's, I don't know how the Cowboys view him. Do they I don't either. view him as a true free safety? Do they view him as more of a nickel guy? Uh, the thing is, this, this is not a great free safety class, and I, you know that's what the Cowboys need. They have several strong safety candidates on right. the roster, but if you want a free safety, I think it's Slim Pickens at nineteen. And even if you trade up, I, you know if, if you can try and go get Derwin, uh, but if he's not an option, you're stuck at nineteen. Uh, there are no other safety options for you there, and so it's. Uh, yeah, there's, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, someone is, who's going to fall to them. You know, could a uh, Harold Landry, the pass rusher from Boston College, uh, could he fall to them? I think he's in that conversation. Vita Vea, Washington. Uh, you know, this is. Uh, you know, I think two years ago we thought it was going to be Zeke or Jalen Ramsey. You know, last year we thought pass rusher or corner uh, in the first round. This year, you know, I think we could make a case legitimately for four or five different positions at 19. It's going to be interesting. What do you think about the possibility? Oh, did I jump in on you there? Well, I was just, I wanted to just double check. Your last mock, you had Derwin going seven to Tampa Bay. Yeah. And Minka going 13 to Washington. Is that where you'll end up with on your final mock draft? Uh, I have Derwin going seven to Tampa, and then I have Minka going ten to Oakland. So uh, maybe just outside that range, because again, you don't want to trade fifty. And if you trade the third round pick, the highest you're probably going to be able to get is twelve or thirteen. Yeah. And, and do you, so you had Roquan Smith going to Oakland previously. Do you have Roquan dropping? No, I've got him going to uh, six to Indianapolis. Okay. I think he's a, a perfect fit for what. Uh, Matt Eberflus wants in that new defense they're introducing for the Colts. Yeah, speaking of fits, you know, and I find this interesting about Harold Landry because uh, when uh, uh, when T.J. Watt came out last year and the Cowboys uh, passed on him and took Taco Charlton and then T.J. went to the Steelers and had a, a really nice rookie season, uh, there was a lot of consternation on the part of fans saying, oh, why, why didn't the Cowboys take this guy and, and look at the sacks and what he's put up? And then and the feeling was, well, he was not a scheme fit. You know, he was more of a of a 3-4 guy than a 4-3. Isn't Harold Landry more of a 3-4 guy than a 4-3? Yeah, and that was my first thought as well. Like, If they weren't interested in T.J. Watt, why would they be interested in Harold Landry? I mean, we're talking about similar. And T.J. Watt is actually bigger than Harold Landry is. And it might be as simple as you can watch the tape and Harold Landry put his hand on the ground at Boston College. He was a traditional defensive end. Um, and, I mean, I hope it's not that simple. I hope, you know, because you, you can project, uh, obviously, T.J. Watt, yes, he stood up in Wisconsin's 3-4 defense, 
but he has the size of a defensive end. He shows the point of attack toughness where I don't, you know, he should have been in consideration. That, that's the pick I would have made last year. But Harold Landry, you worry about him versus the run on the edges. Uh, but you know, you, why you like him is because he can get after the quarterback. He has that initial burst and the bend to get around the the corner and uh, impact uh, the pocket. So. Harold Landry, I think there's a good chance he's gone by 19, but if he's still available, I mean, maybe the Cowboys saw, you know, what happened with T.J. Watt. Maybe they're they're learning that, hey, you know, maybe we need to be more open-minded with some of these pass rushers. I, I hope so because Harold Landry is a good player. Yeah. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Do you think that Harold Landry is a better player than T.J. Watt coming out of college? That's a good question. Um, I I think I would. I think I'd lean T.J. Watt if it's just between the two. Harold Landry's a little difficult because as a junior in 2016, he had 16 and a half sacks, seven forced fumbles, led the nation in both categories. Uh, decided to come back for his senior year because he wanted to prove he was a top 20 pick, and he only played in eight games, uh, and even those games were sparingly because he was hurt. Uh, finished with five sacks, it's just kind of a disaster season for him. And so if you really buy into that junior season, trust that's who he is, then you're going to take Harold Landry somewhere in the top 15 pick. But it's just kind of hard to get out of your mind what he showed this past year uh, dealing with the injury. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see. It was interesting they brought him in for a visit. Uh, You know, he might be that. And Demarcus Lawrence insurance uh, if Lawrence isn't in the long-term plan. Yeah, yeah I, I think it was interesting to me is that uh, with the changes they've made on defense with bringing Chris Richard in and the secondary, and they, and they talked about that yesterday and what they expected to do there and, and moving Byron Jones to cornerback and having the bigger cornerback back there. To, to see if they have some, you know, will they have some schematic changes, you know, in Rod mm-hmm. Marinelli's defense now with him, and maybe that's why they're maybe that's why they're thinking about a guy like Landry in the, at that position. Right, that makes a lot of sense. And the player who I think is option A for the Cowboys is Leighton Vander Esch, and uh, the Boise State linebacker. And one of the reasons is his versatility. Uh, you can plug him in at the mic. You can play him outside, either weak or the strong. Um, I think this team is, they're looking for the long-term uh, middle linebacker, and I think Leighton Vanderesh could be that guy. It just so happened that in my mock draft, my final mock draft, uh, Vanderesh was off the board at that point. And I, I think uh, you know, Vanderesh was off the board, Vita Vea, who I think it could be option B, was off the board, Harold Landry was off the board, and so that's why uh, I went with uh, the receiver at that point, because I think their top defensive options were not available at 19. The, uh, are, I'm... <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm a little bit behind on Vander Esch, but the last I checked, weren't there health concerns? Yeah, there. Uh, I reached out to three teams uh, to see what they thought. None, none of those being the Cowboys, and all three told me that they met, that their doctors cleared him. Um, Vander Esch did not miss a game this year, uh, but the 2016 season, uh, he was in and out of the lineup, uh, back neck injury, uh, but it was. I was told more of a stinger type of thing. And, you know, there have been reports that some teams think of a long-term issue. There might be one there. But, again, I reached out to three teams, um, and that wasn't an issue. I don't think the Cowboys have flagged him. I think uh, we would have heard uh, maybe that by now. Um, So I think he's on the Cowboys board. And, like I said, I think there's a good chance he could be option A for them uh, if he makes it to 19. The other guy that I had interest in when you start talking about defensive tackles, and uh, since I love all things SEC, was Deron Payne. You don't see him being a top 20 type talent, do you? Uh, yeah. Which Deron Payne am I getting? You know, am I getting the, the guy we saw in the college football playoff against Clemson and against Georgia who just played lights out, right. played like, uh, you know, the spotlight was on him and, you know, he needed to be his best because. In those games, he flashed like uh, you know, and Sue, those, those types of traits. Um, and it just unfortunately, you don't see it uh, snap in, snap out when you watch the full volume of his, of his game film. So, I, but I, again, you're drafting traits. You're drafting guys for not what they've done, but what you think they can be. And teams will say, hey, we can coach this guy up. So I think absolutely Payne could end up going somewhere in the top 20 picks. Uh, the Chargers at 17 need a run stuffer. If Vita Vea is off the board, uh, Cowboys, uh, they've shown interest in Payne. They've met with him in multiple times. Uh, so I, I think you can't rule him out completely at 19. What do you think of him compared to Taven Bryan from Florida? Taven Bryan is it, – it, it's 
say hypothetical Maurice Hurst, the Michigan defensive tackle, say he's because of the heart issue, he's uh, yeah. out of the conversation. Right. Taven Bryan's at the top three technique in this draft. Uh, yeah, at 6'5", 290 pounds, he has the athletic trait that I think perfe- perfectly fits Rod Marinelli's defense as that, that under tackle. Um, Deron Payne, who uh, is 6'2", 310 pounds, he's that nose tackle with the three technique traits that they've been talking about. You know, the Cowboys have said, you know, we're, we don't really value the one technique in the first round unless they offer some pass rush value, and that's what Jerron Payne ha- has. He has some of those traits that you think can get after the quarterback. But with Taven Bryan, that's, you see a guy where his primary job is going to be penetration, be able to beat defend or beat the blockers to the gaps uh, and really get quarterbacks to move their feet. And he's not a polished product. He's not the sum of his parts just yet, but you really like the traits that Bryan brings to the table. Uh, he's, you know, a, 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 you know uh, Leighton Vanderesh is the Idaho native. Taven Bryan's the Wyoming native. These guys are kind of still putting things together, but you get excited about the raw talent. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at the situation. You brought up Demarcus Lawrence's name, um, and you know, of course, if he has another big year, it will be tough for them to to sign him. And of course, they can they can still do some things to keep him. I'm thinking of the guy that they're looking for more insurance for. It might be David Irving, uh, and that Taven Bryan certainly would be a guy who could come in and uh, and give you the maybe the same thing that that David Irving does now, and maybe somebody you can count on more long term. Yep, that makes sense. And you know, I wonder because, like I said, Taven Bryan is kind of the perfect fit for Rod Marinelli's defense, but is he almost too good of a fit? Where you know, are you worried about? Uh, you know, you, you kind of brought up uh, schematic changes and, you know, long-term, are, are, are they worried about investing in a player who perfectly fits the current coaching staff and might not be a great fit for, you know, future years? And so that's where I think the Taven Bryan discussion gets a little muddy. But they've done a lot of work on Bryan. I, again, I think he's the, the draft top three technique uh, with his ability to, uh, you know, the quickness, the power, um, I just the biggest thing I worry about with Brian is uh, the lack of production uh, for a guy whose yeah. primary job is to get into the backfield. He had five and a half, five and a half career sacks, and yeah. I, you know I'm a firm believer. I mean, the, the the golden rule of scouting is traits over production. But I still, you know, Joey Bosa, his final year at Ohio State had five sacks. But you know, for a guy who you know wants or who gets into the backfield routinely, I just need to see him finish more and you know impact the pocket more. Yeah, uh, Dane, let's go beyond the first round. Um, you the you feel like the Cowboys? Uh, well, let's. What do you have for? Give us your top Cowboys sleeper after round one. Uh, I think a player they've shown interest in, and we, we talked about the safety position and how important it is uh, maybe for this team to find that free safety, a guy who can compete with Xavier Woods right away. Um, I, a name to keep in mind is Tervarius Moore from Southern Miss. Uh, interesting story. Juco guy, uh, went to Southern Miss, didn't play, or he's a backup in his junior year, got to be a, a starter as a senior. Uh, there's a lot to like about him as an athlete. Really talented. Um, the biggest thing is just how long before he's ready to impact your roster. Um, you know, he had the com- or at the pro day because he, he didn't get invited to the combine. He was a four three two forty yard dash, thirty nine and a half inch vert, uh, six eight nine three cone, just off the chart numbers. Uh, he's six one two hundred pounds. Uh, he had decent production, five interceptions the last two years uh, for Southern Miss. I think he's a guy that you ideally would like at eighty one. But he might not last that far. You might have to take him at 50 if you really want him. And like I said, this free safety group uh, in this draft class, not much to get too excited about. So if you want your free safety, you might have to take him around earlier. Well, um, yeah, this is the thing that uh, uh, I think will be interesting to see what the Cowboys do. Whatever they do in that, uh, I, I just don't feel like they're going to sit there at 19. If, if the guys you talked about, uh, are gone, um, and these are some of the names that we've heard as well. Uh, then I, I really could see them trading down uh, into the into the bottom of the first round, and maybe going after a guy like Cortland Sutton. Would you have if if they traded down into the low twenties? Do you think that Sutton would still be there? Yeah, I think there's a good chance he is. Um, and if they're really looking for that prototypical X receiver. 
then it makes sense because that's what Cortland Sutton offers. Um, you know, a guy that's 6'3", 220 pounds, and is that type of athlete. Uh, you know, he's a power forward on the football field. The way he can attack the football, uh, I think he's going to go somewhere between 25 and 35 would be my guess. So I think that would make sense if uh, they are out of options at 19 and they have, uh, you know, there's a deal to be made. Um, you know, if there's a team that's willing to uh, do business, then I think that would certainly be an option. And if they do trade back, uh, then that's when you're looking at, you know, the Will Hernandez, uh, you know, offensive guard or uh, Cortland Sutton right being right there in the mix. I don't know. I, I like Cortland Sutton a lot. I just, uh, me personally, I'd rather get the better receiver. And I think that's DJ Moore uh, or one of the receivers at 19 as opposed to Cortland Sutton, who uh, you you worry about, you know, because he's such, such, so raw as a route runner. People forget he was a safety out of uh, out of high school. He was uh, basically like a hybrid tight end in, in uh, high school. They had a run-first offense. Uh, he was recruited as a safety. They moved him over to offense, and he flourished, obviously. But taking him out of that SMU offense and putting him into an NFL offense is going to be a huge leap. Uh, it's going to take him some time before he uh, develops a full route tree. Uh, and you're encouraged by the combine numbers. Uh, six five seven in the three-cone drill is just an outstanding number. It tells you that he has the athleticism to do it. It just might be more of a discipline, technique, muscle memory type of thing before he can learn to uncover and uh, be a better route runner. Let me ask you this about, uh, uh, you know, because the, the Cowboys are all about making this team more Dak friendly. And, and we know about Dak's issues with his accuracy and that some of that will maybe will come with the improved fundamentals and, and such. But uh, what, it, what it requires is a guy who, who, first of all, is going to get open, is what you would think, or a guy with a, with a big catch radius. Which do you think is, is better, to, better to really help Dak, a guy who's, who's very large like Cortland Sutton is or a guy who's just going to get better separation? I think a guy that gets separation. Give me, give me a receiver who is, makes himself available in his route. Um, and because that's what it comes down to, and that's what the issue was with Dak and Dez. It's just a timing issue. Dez not having consistent timing at the stem of his route. Um, and so that's why, I, give me a, a Calvin Ridley. Uh, Anthony Miller from Memphis, I think, would be an outstanding pick at 50 in the second round. A guy that was a walk-on at Memphis, broke all of Isaac Bruce's uh, school records there. Um, he has that route running where he can get open before and after the catch. Um, you know, we saw it with, 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 uh, with Dez, I, with the back shoulders and, you know, corner throws, whatever, whatever route. If he's not creating a lot of separation, it could be a struggle at times uh, for Dez to uh, or for Dak to feel comfortable with the throw. So give me the receiver who can snap at the top of route, turn his body, show the quarterback his numbers, give him a clean target. I think that's probably what's best and what we mean when we say Dak friendly. Do you feel like that DJ Moore offers more of that than uh, – or let's say between Calvin Ridley and DJ Moore, which one do you think is, is better at that? Ridley is the the better route runner. Uh, he is very advanced at this point of, uh, and he is a little older. He's going to be a twenty three year old rookie, uh, but he's very polished as a route runner. His play speed uh, is outstanding. You, the thing with him is off the line of scrimmage, corners don't know what type of route it's coming. A lot of receivers, especially coming from the college ranks, will tip what uh, route they're going to run. You can tell just by the pace. They come off the line of scrimmage with uh, Calvin Ridley. It's the same speed every single snap, uh, and so he does a great job getting open. Uh, and that's what you like. There's no assembly required. Calvin Ridley's ready to go right out of the box, and that's that's why you like him so much. DJ Moore, uh, he's not quite on that level, but he's close. Plus, he's 20 pounds uh, heavier. He's a lot more physical, and like I said, he offers that versatility that I think will appeal to the Cowboys, where. He can play some of the X. He can play Y. He, you can line him up across the formation. And to me, that's what Dak needs, uh, you know, and not really focusing on, you know, the X receiver outside, you know, off the line of scrimmage, whatever. I, give me the guys who uh, can play across the formation and get creative and let Dak get comfortable with these guys and uh, line them up in the slot. You let them get spacing. Uh, and so I think DJ Moore can do that as well. Ridley and Moore, they're very closely rated on my board. All right, so, Dane, where are you going to be on Thursday night? I will be at the Star. Uh, we're doing a live 
stream of uh, every pick from uh, from the star on DallasCowboys.com, and then we'll be uh, simulcasting throughout the weekend on 105.3 The Fan. So it should be a lot of fun. We're going to cover picks one through 256. So we'll have Cowboys fans uh, locked in, uh, obviously, but then you know we'll be covering every single pick as if we were uh, you know covering every team. So it should be a lot of fun. Okay, where are you going to be? I'm, I'm going to be out at uh, I'm going to actually be out at Jerry World on Thursday. Are you? Yeah, yeah, just for the the whole circus. We're hoping that 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 Jerry brings the pork chopper in through the through the hole in the roof. That would be, yeah. that'd be great stuff. Great. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, that would seem to be a little bit risky, right there. Oh no, no, it wouldn't be at all. Don't discourage him. That'd be great. Uh, it's not. I mean, that's a narrow opening, you know. Yeah, yeah. That, all that, things that'd be okay. Um, let me let me ask you before we let him get away. I want to ask him this uh, about Baker Mayfield. Where you got him going? Uh, three to the Jets. Um, you know, talk about a guy who's ready out of the box. That's what the Jets need. You know, they don't have time. Mike McCagnan, Todd Bowles, uh, they know they're on the hot seat. They need a guy who can come in and contribute right away. And I think that's going to be Baker Mayfield. He's, you know, you, you worry about coming from the Big 12. You worry about, uh, you know, Oklahoma's offense. You know, Lincoln Riley's not coming with them. But uh, you have a guy who the competitive makeup is off the charts. Uh, he's very, very accurate, and those types of things translate. So I think there's a good chance. And I'm absolutely buying the Baker uh, Mayfield rumors at number one. I think he's going to appeal to uh, John Dorsey and what he wants uh, in Cleveland. So uh, I, I think uh, Baker Mayfield is going to be off the board pretty quickly uh, tomorrow night. Let me, let me, as long as Kevin's bringing up Oklahoma players, I, you know, I, I. Watched a little bit of Mark Andrews in the Rose Bowl. I was really impressed there. Um, the Cowboys could use a tight end down the down the road somewhere, but where do you see Mark Andrews going? Probably third round. Uh, you know, the thing, biggest thing for him was he was a slot receiver for the Sooners, and so um, you know he has the size. Obviously, I mean, six five, two hundred fifty six pounds. So he has the size to move inside and be an inline type of player with his hand on the ground as a blocker. But it's going to take some time for him to develop that area of his game. But uh, this is a, a pretty uh, decent tight end group where we, we might not have a first-rounder, but uh, we're going to have several go on day two uh, and then into day three. So, yeah, it wouldn't be surprising if the Cowboys, with all those picks, I don't know if they'll pick all ten, probably eight, maybe nine uh, players will come away with. But uh, one of them could be a tight end with a good group we have this year. Yeah, I don't think that after Gavin and Escobar fiasco, I don't think the Cowboys are going to take a tight end who is not a good blocker already. Uh, but right. I want to I go back to the Baker Mayfield thing real quick because uh, it's fascinating to me because one of the things that John Elway had stressed when he was you know, and there was a lot of speculation that the Broncos might be would be interested in him is that he thinks that personality is really important in a quarterback and I thought that was an, an interesting thing to bring up because of all the personalities across the board of these quarterbacks there's been a lot of discussion about Josh Rosen and you know is he is too much of a smart aleck to be a, an NFL quarterback, which is interesting to me. But also, with Baker, I don't know if there's a quarterback out there who believes in himself more than he does. Uh, and, right. and so I, I think to me that, you know, that New York would be the perfect place for him to go. Uh, it's a tough market. You know, he may end up making a lot of enemies up there in the media, but he is the kind of guy who kind of feeds on that. And, and I don't think that it really would bother him at all. I, I think that that is exactly the place he should go. Yeah, and does he need to mature? Yeah, he does. You know, there, he, he needs some PR training. He needs, uh, you know, and I think it's great that he doesn't care what anyone else thinks of him. But when you're the face of a franchise, obviously, you need to tone it down a little bit. And it's just, it's just who he is. That competitive makeup is why you love him on the field. He just needs to learn how to tone it down a little bit off the field. But his teammates love it. Uh, you know, they feed into it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we saw that at, at Oklahoma. So uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think all your points are, are, are right on point. I, with the Jets at number three, that makes a lot of sense. If And Denver, you know, I, I know those the, they've been linked. If Denver really wants him, you know, maybe they call New York at number two and say, hey, let's do a deal. You're, the Giants, you only have to move down to five. We'll go up and get in front of the Jets to get our, get Baker Mayfield. I, I think that's certainly in play. All right. All right. Well, we have talked you out, Dane. This is great stuff. Um, and I know that people will uh, will be tuning in to watch you on uh, on Thursday night. Um, are you going to uh, – will you be doing anything for us after the draft? 
Yep, I will be doing um, my live chat uh, Friday morning, so a lot to talk about, uh, rehashing the the Thursday's first round, and then uh, I'll be doing something. I'll write about every single player that the Cowboys end up drafting, just kind of how I feel about the pick, how they fit, how I think they fit, uh, and the projection moving forward for that player. So plenty to watch for from me uh, for DallasNews.com. Excellent, excellent. Thanks for joining us today. Anytime. Thanks, guys. See you, Dane. Take care. So you're going to go out there and watch the circus. I am going to watch the circus on Thursday, and then uh, I, I'll be I'll be I think I'll be out at the Star on Saturday to uh, get the, the you know the third day. I will up. I will be in Toronto um, on Thursday and Friday, um, and also on Saturday. Yeah, uh, you're not going to just come back in the middle of the series. No, I'm not doing that on this one. Um, so. What is your what is your take going in on the theater of the NFL draft? Oh, I, I'm just blown away by all this. I just it's still crazy to me that everybody wants to go out there and and watch these picks on the board. I mean, when you watch it on TV, it's boring, you know. Uh, and, and to think that you're going to drive out there to Jerry World and sit there and watch a, I mean, that's why they got a lot of other stuff going on. You know, it's it's kind of like going to the fair. You know, right. and there's there's a lot of other things you can do, and I and I, and I get all that. But so it, would the draft be the pig races? It could be. It could be. I think I prefer the pig races actually. Um. I, yeah. I. I don't get the theater of the NFL draft. I've. I've. I've never really gotten it. Way too long between picks and the first round. Oh my round. gosh. Uh. It's an eternity. Um. I know back in a, a, a long, long ago time, I I covered a couple of Falcons drafts and. Uh, I wanted to gnaw my fingers off in between picks. Um, uh, I, I, but it, it, it's uh, people love it. I mean, you know, yeah. we have we have five versions of Dane's mock draft on online right now, and yeah. we will have a sixth uh, tomorrow. Uh, and people just love that. I, I mean, people love the the uh, the mock draft concept. They just they love it so much, and. They get into it, but I just cannot imagine standing around waiting for people to call out a name. No. And, and you know, the only thing that makes it fun is if the trades get made, you know, and then, then, it, then it gets to really be interesting. I mean, you know, there's, uh, listen, even going back to when I was a little kid and, and, uh, and watching sports and growing up in Houston and all the teams were just terrible for most of the time I was growing up. I loved the team building. I, I loved, you know, building a roster. And, and and I could, you know, I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but I can remember the trades that were made and drafts and uh, and all that kind of thing because it made such an impression on me. So I do love all that part of it. It's just that I don't like the spectacle of it. I don't I don't get that. Right. I mean, I, I get the fact that, the, the yeah, it's interesting oh, how it's, these teams go and, and all that. That's I all mean, fun. It's, it's it's valuable, and it's clearly the way you build your roster in the NFL, but I just don't – I don't see the um, – yeah, I, I don't see the the, – the, uh, the theater of it. The orgy of, right. of 30,000 people – Descending to 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 watch people no, call they, names. They're expecting two hundred and seventy thousand people over three days. Over three days, yes. Um, you know, which is just crazy. But the theater itself is only going to be seating about thirty thousand. I believe. I think that's right. right. Well, you thirty thousand people to watch Roger Goodell walk to a podium and call a name. Now there will be highlights, I guess, and everything on the screen. But yeah, and, and Jerry says he he doesn't think people should boo Roger, and doesn't think they will. I think he's wrong. Don't, doesn't he get booed every year? He gets booed everywhere. I will say this. Uh, it was interesting when you were talking about uh, this. I want to bring this up because I think it's important uh, about influence. Uh, yesterday uh, when we were out there at the Cowboys and they were talking about their this their pre-draft uh, news conference and talking about how important it is to build a team through the draft and to be signing your own players. This is all completely different from the Cowboys now. And – and to and to Dane's point about trading, I think is is really an excellent point. If there's been a criticism of the Cowboys drafting over the years, uh, ever since Jerry Jimmy Johnson left, it's that you know Jerry would get impetuous and and make a big trade and and trade up and and take guys before they should have been taken, like Quincy Carter and 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 all that kind of thing. And uh, and so it makes perfect sense to me. You, you you haven't had a lot of you haven't had a lot of gold in the second round of the draft. Now this this has been a tremendous weakness. 
to yes. me for this club. And, and, and Rick Gosling wrote an excellent column about that the other day. If you look at all the teams, like in particular Green Bay and, 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 the, and what they've got from their second-round picks, you know, that's, why there's, that's why I think they talk up Jalen Smith so much, not only because they like him, but they've got to have him come through. Uh, they're trying to salvage that, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, I, I think if they could keep that second-rounder or get a second-rounder if they, if they had to trade up to get a, you know, if they trade in the – at some point they want to trade up in the second round, that'd be, that'd be good as, as well. But I, I think you know. I think, I think teams are just like so split on how they use the second rounder. Like because it is the quote unquote second round. You're you're shooting. Some teams like the Cowboys shoot for this tremendous upside. Yeah, uh, and they, they they don't really they don't really pay any, any attention to all the stuff that they supposedly scouted or or the the uh, the off the field stuff, the 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 physical stuff. It's all tools, tools, tools. Well, these are the guys you're, you're gambling on the second round pick. Yeah, yeah and, a lot of I, teams are. I, I I think the other side of it is no, the second we're just going to continue to draft the best players that fit our system, and I think those are the teams that have more productive second rounds. Yeah, uh, you, you may hit on that second rounder once once a decade. I mean, you how mean, you mean if you gamble? Yeah, yeah, once a decade. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to say. I I I would. Uh, you know, I I think it's funny when we have a mock draft that goes seven rounds, uh, like John Mashota did that. It's like you talk about this is like playing the lottery here of figuring out. It's hard to figure out what a team's going to do in the first round, much less what happens after that. You know, I, well, did Machota, Machota do every? He only did the Cowboys for the seven Cowboys seven rounds. I would like to see a full seven round mock draft for really? every team, everybody. and then I'd like to grade that guy. Yeah, that'd be good. Well, you know, that's just so. How did you do in the sixth round, there, partner? Yeah, not so good. But you know, I I think what happens, I think what's happened in the NFL now is that uh, I'm doing a Rangers mock draft this year, all right? forty rounds. That'd be great. Yeah. Get, see if you can get some of that right. Uh, see if somebody could get that right. You know, including the Rangers. That would be wow. Yeah. Well, they got to start hitting on some of these guys, don't they? Little shot over the bat. Look, I I I think that they have had they have had their issues in in restocking the organization through the draft i think in some regards you know and we can talk about this as the draft approaches closer they were they were successful the, the baseball draft and the football draft obviously are two entirely different animals correct but the rangers did a good job with some guys to stoke continue to stoke their uh their their window of opportunity well that was that was necessary and it was it, it was good and uh, you know guys from the draft Help make the Cole Hamels trade. Help yeah. help make the Cliff Lee trade. Help sure. make a number of trades. But now you see the residue of making all those trades to continue to feed the monster. You've got a barren system at the top. And uh, what I want to see from the Rangers on that perspective is I want to see this club draft and develop starting pitching because I on the Rangers podcast we just went out and went through an, basically an entire lineup of twenty five and twenty six year olds. And younger guys who might contribute to this team, but I got I got nobody to run at you as a starting pitcher at this no. time. No, and that's the, and you know we, we I was listening to the to the broadcast recently. I can't remember when it was, which game it was, but they were talking about the you know the A's and and the, of the, the first of the Moneyball era and that great quote from from Ron Washington when uh, they were talking about was it Moneyball? He goes, no, I think it was a lot of Zito, Hudson, and and Mulder, you know, and uh, and those guys. Or was it two first round picks and a six? Hudson was a six. Mulder, Mulder and Zito were both uh, in the top five overall. Zito, a guy who the, who the Rangers drafted. Zito, a guy previously. who the Rangers drafted. Yeah. So, so, but think about I think that. Came within fifty thousand dollars of signing him. And how close were those guys all drafted? Years, in years. Uh, I'd have to go back. It wasn't, but it wasn't more than like two or three, four years. No, right? I mean that's but. That, and again, that's what the the A's did is they timed up an entire wave of talent, and that's something you can do with baseball because you're stocking your system with with forty players or or twenty seven, twenty eight players that you sign every year. The NFL, you need to get, you know, you may get two guys out of there who help you immediately. Maybe a third guy long term. Right. The other guys are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no comparison. But I will, the thing is about the Rangers, they've never come close to having three guys make that kind of impact that they have drafted in the pitching staff at one time. 
Never come close. No, not from the same draft. And and not, well, no, not even. I don't mean to say the closest they've come was when they had Kevin and Kenny at the same time. Kenny Kenny was a thirty seventh round pick in eighty two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin was a first round pick in eighty six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby was first round in eighty five or eighty seven. Uh, I think eighty five. Okay, so that's that's a four year run. That's pretty good. No, that's pretty good, and th- and those guys were all pretty good, but they were not Zito, Hudson, and and Mulder. No, no, but I mean, I, you know, I I had a question in the in the the mailbag this week from somebody about uh, when are the Rangers ever going to develop a true ace? Well, here's my question for you: What's a true ace? Is a true ace a guy who uh, wins a Cy Young award? Well, if that's the case, the Rangers have never developed that guy. Right. Is it a guy who won twenty games? Well, Rick Helling won 20 games. Right. Is he an ace? Right. Uh, is it a guy who's a borderline Hall of Famer? Well, Kevin Brown and Kenny Rogers, you can make cases for both those guys with over 200 career wins that they're borderline Hall of Famers. They. My point here is you get two guys who won 200 games in a four-year span, Yeah, you did pretty good. And that's not accounting for Bobby Witt, who ate up a ton of innings for, for, for several clubs. That that's a pretty good stretch of pitching, and that's what you've got to do. You're not going to get multiple starting pitchers out of out of one draft, but if you get one guy one year, one guy the next, well, that's the thing. You, you don't need to listen. If you do it right, you only got to do it once, and you're not going to have because you you do it once, the guy pitches for you for ten years. You're not, and you're not going to develop your own your own rotation, your whole rotation. No, if you can get two or three guys, you've done really well. If you the Braves. The Braves had uh, rotation was built on originally Avery, Smoltz, and Glavin. Right. Glavin was a draft pick. Avery was a draft pick. Smoltz was a trade as a developmental trade. Mm-hmm. The A's we mentioned Mulder, Hudson, and Zito. That's it. You know, it's like once every decade somebody times it up just right. We're the Astros now talking, are timing it up pretty well. We're looking at the Astros right now. Yeah. You know, with Keuchel, uh, McCullers. But they certainly didn't hit on Mark Appel. No, they didn't. They didn't. And that, that's the thing. That this Is it Apple or Appel? I, I think can't... it's Appel. I don't think it's Apple. It would See, be, it'd be better if it was Apple. He should just change the pronunciation like Joe, like, uh, Joe uh, Theismann did. For me, you know, A-P-P-E-L is Appel. Appel. It's yeah. Appel. It's Appel. Yeah. Although nobody knows because he's never done anything. Um, so, yeah. I, I, they, you know, they had Musgrove in there who they used in a trade. They had... Um, uh, I think Peacock was their own draft pick. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, now, that, listen, the, th- the thing that always is, is amazed me, and I mean, we will talk about this more later but about that, is that the that the Rangers have just struggled to build their own pitching. And as I said to you before, I asked Grady Fusen about that one time. Why is it that the Rangers have struggled? It's not just one. It's not just one administration. It's one after another that they just never has panned out. And and what Grady told me at the time was that well they just never identify what kind of pitcher it is they want they just don't have a they don't have a plan I don't you know to me when you're picking with the first in the first round you got a top five pick you're not looking for a guy that doesn't fit he he doesn't fit our plan yeah, you're I, looking for the very best player you can get I I agree and uh, you're you're not you're not looking for for a profile and, and again you know since this is we we've, we've interjected this into Cowboys talk. You know, it, you're looking for two different things. The, the MLB draft, you're looking for the guy with the highest possible upside, the best talent. Right. The NFL draft, you may be looking for a guy who also fits your immediate need. You don't look for immediate needs in the in the MLB draft. It's not about that. No, no. We'll we'll see what they can do. We need to talk about that later. I I I just want. I'm I'm really excited about reading your. Um, I, I'm going to call it a color column. Color column. I mean, it'll be a scene set in college. Uh, I hope, yeah, draft. probably so. Unless they, unless you know, uh, Baker gets taken with the first pick, you know, if, if something like that happens, and that will uh, that will change everything. Where are the cow or the where are the Cowboys doing their Thursday night stuff at the? Everything's at the Star. Everything's at the Star. All the everything that the Cowboys do will be at the Star. So who will go? Will Tim go to the Star? Tim, Tim will. Tim and Goose. Goose Great. will be out there. Great. Goose will be out there doing you know, Mister Draft. So he he will be out there uh, as well, and we're glad to have him out there doing that. Uh, he does a great job. Um, so uh, I think that's that'll wrap it up. All right. Well, I am. Uh, what are you going to do this afternoon? Well, Evan, I'm going to have lunch uh, with a couple of old pals, a couple of former uh, DMN staffers. Uh, and uh, what are you going to do this afternoon? I'm going to hang out with your wife. <laughs>
Oh, you know, I hate it when you start to introduce that kind of thing in here. I know. You're 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 cheating with your with your old pal. You know, cheating we, on your old pal. We, uh Debbie is going to take Gina and I to look at a few homes just for kicks. Um but it's Debbie the realtor to the stars. But it's uh your your wife is my realtor. Yeah. Um has been uh for all of the one houses that I've bought. Yeah. And sold. Um, and uh, we are going to go look at one house. It's very weird. We're going to go look at one house on the same street that we looked at uh, last time. So <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, very, very strange. That is strange. But, you know, I don't put that past anybody here. Well, I mean, you know, when look, I mean, it, when you're looking at places like Beverly and Straight Lane, those are the... Wow, Beverly and Straight Lane. Yeah, that's where... Do they, do they have those street names in, uh, in uh, Irving, too? They do not. They do not. <laughs> they don't. We, we, you know, when, when are you going to come back down and live in Dallas we, in civilization? We're living. We're looking in Dallas. Are you really? Yeah. We. I. You know. Once. Once the kid is out and on her own, and there's no more free lunch for Natalie. Wow. Um. So then, then you're you're a leaf lomo. We are coming to Dallas. We we well we may. I I want to come to Dallas and party. Uh, you know, like I'm, a rock star. Oh yeah. I'm gonna. Um, What's the hottest spot right now, Jose? Jose doesn't know. <laughs> Jose, come on, man. Well, there goes. I, you know, I was going to call our producer, Jose, Mr. Hipster. No. And he's like, no. no. He's been over here. He's been over here doing his homework the whole time we've been having this. So I, I guess Brian just turned out the lights. I guess that means we got to shut up. We're out of here. Brian Allage, you know, he runs this place with a, with a bull whip. We, you know what we call him? What's that? The Putin of the newsroom. <laughs> Putin of the newsroom. He's our rootin' Putin. Uh, rootin' tootin' Putin. Yeah. <laughs> Did you think that he ran that with that with that uh, with that phrase in the last uh, election in Russia? Rootin' tootin' Putin. Putin? Yeah. It was rootin' tootin' Putin and Dasvidanya. <laughs> I like it. All right, well, sign us out of here, Evan. All right, well, Kevin, this has been just great. I, I hope you have a great lunch, uh, and hopefully we'll buy a really expensive house. Oh, I'd love that. Yes, I know you would. Thank God. Thank God. Thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know who, I don't know if God's been listening to this, we'll, but uh, uh, we'll see. We'll be back next week. Uh, we may be trying this with me on the uh, phone next week from beautiful Cleveland. Uh, but, Kevin, you'll be here, right? You know, uh, they don't let me go anywhere anymore. So, yeah, I'll be here. All right. Uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.